Great for you to be here in spite of a cold Sunday. Yeah, you are. Worshiping the Lord. It's so hot here in God's presence. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see you guys. And uh, so we are rejoicing in God for His goodness. Welcome to you guys watching online. To those of you listening to this message. And I trust that you will be blessed as we continue this topic. Thanks for the feedback on last week's message. It seems very well received. It was a, a revelation to some people. And if you missed part one, please go to our website and, and catch up with it. It is there in audio and in video. And today we're going to continue with part two of Worthy, the power and posture of worship. And uh, today we're going to take a brief look at uh, worship in eternity past. And then we're going to look at some practical aspects of our corporate worship. We learned last week that worship is not only something we do on Sunday mornings. Amen. Worship is not that time of singing, which some people think we, we start a church with singing so that to give time for the latecomers to arrive before the preaching, okay? It is not, all right? Uh, it, it is part of our service to God, you know? So be on time and let's get into worship and so forth because that is part of a worship to God. But that is not all that worship is. Your very life is an act of worship to God or should be an act of worship to God because God created us. For his pleasure and for his glory, for his joy. He delights in us. And like any parent delights in their children when they do the right things, when they are well behaved. And just like every parent is saddened when their children make wrong decisions. The same thing with our Father God. He created us for his pleasure. And he's given us gifts and talents and abilities. And when we use those things according to his will and according to his word, it brings him joy. And so worship is not just this that we do on a Sunday morning. It covers every aspect of your life. When you leave the premises here, your worship hasn't finished. It is continuing. It's just a different kind of worship. And of course, what you do here on Sunday mornings, singing, clapping, raising hands and so forth, is not limited to church building. Do it at home. Do it, well, part of it in your car. Don't try and raise both hands when you drive in your car. But you can sing while you drive in your car. You can pray with your eyes open while you drive in your car. Amen? While you're working. Sometimes I remember, you know, when I was in secular work, there were things I had to do which didn't require too much brain power, just like mechanical things. And so while I was working, I was worshiping. Maybe in tongues or maybe just singing something or just thinking about God and praising him. So God wants us to be worshipers full time. Amen. And that is what worship is all about. So we learned last week about that. It's much more than that. Now, corporate worship, in other words, worshiping when we gather together is part of worshiping God. It's an important part of worshiping God. And the fact that there has, it's a fact that there's always been worship in the presence of God. Always. And last week we took a, a peep into what is happening now and what will happen in the future in heaven. Remember? Uh, where we have the saints and the angels worshiping God and those heavenly creatures, they are worshiping God. And so I want to read a portion of what we read last week. They worship God in song and there's music. And so in Revelations chapter 5, Verses 9 to 10, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Amen. So every born again believer, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, amen, you are a child of God. God has made you a king and a priest. Right now, you may not look like a king and a priest. Right now, when you walk into your home, your home might not look like a palace. Okay. And you might not look like a king and like a priest, but you are because you have been connected with God and he's preparing us so that when Jesus Christ returns, we will reign with him. Amen. We are kings to rule and priests to worship him and to minister to God. And we don't have to wait for that day. Our position is now. King David was king long before he became king. Huh? He was a little shepherd boy. 
when he was anointed king. For many years, David did not look like a king, didn't smell like a king, didn't, <laughs> okay? Nobody cared for him, shepherd boy, but he was a king. And he was getting himself ready, getting closer to God and so forth. And when the right time came, he was manifest as king. And you and I, we are kings and priests. We may not look like kings and priests right now, but the time is going to come. When the sons and daughters of God shall be manifest and shall rule and reign. But our rule and reigning begins here. Not in, in, in the sense of government, but in the sense of spiritual powers. We can begin to rule right there. Overcoming evil, overcoming sin, starting in our lives and then in our sphere of uh, influence and so this is who we are revelation 5 12 worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and jesus is worthy and many times when you walked on this earth he didn't look like god people rejected him because he looked just like an ordinary guy his friends from nazareth <laughs> didn't even believe him ah oh, come on g you were with us, man. We played with us. We went to school together. You helped your dad there in the carpenter shop. We know you, man. You don't come away with this God complex now. You didn't look like God. But then when, it, when the time came, he began to behave in a very strange way. And he did things which were kind of God-like. But people still didn't, didn't believe him. Because they didn't look like a God. He looked like a human being. Oh, guess what? Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back this time... He's not coming meek and mouth baby in a manger. <laughs> He's going to come in power and in glory. And everybody will acknowledge that he is Lord and he's king. And he reigns. And guess what? You and I will come with him. And reign with him. Hallelujah. So listen. There is worship right now happening in heaven. And you see. Of all that we do as a church. Of all the church or religious activities that we do here on earth, only one will continue in heaven. What is it? Worship. No more evangelism in heaven. No more having to, you know, go to unreached peoples and risk your neck in tribes in the Amazon and things like that. No more prayer meetings. No more nothing of the other stuff we do here on earth. Because we're going to be in the Lord's presence. We can talk to him straight. There is no sin in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. There is peace. But one thing we're going to continue doing there that we do now is worship. That's why I'm taking time and we need from time to time to talk about this. Because it is so easy for us to get distracted. And the devil is a big one on getting us to distract from worship. You see, because worship has always existed. In the past, worship existed. You're going to find out now. Why is it that the devil wants to distract us? We're going to go to two passages, one in Isaiah and one in Ezekiel. Isaiah 14, 11 to 14. Isaiah 14, 11 to 14. And um, this is what it says. Your pomp okay, is brought down to Sheol, to hell. And the sound of your stringed instruments, music, musical instruments. The maggot is spread under you. And worms cover you. So this being with all its pomp and circumstance and all its music has brought down. How you are fallen from heaven. Oh, Lucifer. Oh, this is who he's talking about yeah. Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning. How you're cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the, the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Words of Lucifer. And God said, <laughs> right. Now, what are we doing here, guys? There are some passages in the Bible where the prophets are addressing a human entity, like a king, like in this case. This passage is addressing the king of Babylon. But very often, when prophets write, they reveal what is behind the actions of that person. The king of Babylon 
was, a, was full of pride. And he was doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff. So the prophet comes and he speaks to him. But as he speaks to him, he reveals what is behind. And so as he begins to do this, obviously you can, you can quickly figure out, he's not talking about a human here. Because, you know, the king didn't fall from heaven. Who fell from heaven? It's another being. And so he describes Lucifer, which means the shining one. All right? Now, Lucifer is not a bad word because that was his name in heaven before he fell. Okay? Lucifer just means the shining one. But please, don't give your children the name of Lucifer, okay? Because after the fall, Lucifer, the name Lucifer lost its beauty. Now we associate Lucifer with Satan, the deceiver, the lying one. Okay? And so, yeah, we see that there was a time in heaven when Lucifer was a beautiful being and he was, was ministering to God. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the same thing. In this passage, Ezekiel, he's, he's addressing um, another, another chap, the king of Tyre. But again, he, he goes behind the person and he reveals a spirit behind. He goes in Ezekiel 28, 12 to 7, he says, son of man. Take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Lucifer was a wise being. He was perfect. He was beautiful. Because everything that God creates is beautiful. And it says there, he was full of wisdom. And so God created him a beautiful being and he, and he was in charge of worship. Listen to this. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Imagine this being, his, his whole body is covered with precious stones. It's brilliant. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your trumbles and tumbles and pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. So, Lucifer was created. He's not a god. He's not God. He's a creation of God. As we are, as creations of God, we are eternal beings. We've got a body, but when our body dies, we don't cease to exist. We continue existing. Either with God or without God in his presence, outside his presence. Well, Satan was created to be in the presence of God. He was a beautiful person. Tumbles and pipes. He had music in him. Tumbles is, 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 is percussion stuff. Tambourines and so forth. So in Isaiah, we see he's got stringed instruments. Here, he's got percussion and, and he's got pipes. Woodwind and brass. This guy is a walking orchestra. All the sections of an orchestra are built into him. And it's beautiful. He says, you were the anointed cherub who covers, which means who protects, who, who is over the throne of God. I established you, says God. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Like everything that God creates, every being that God creates, he puts the will in those beings. And so although Lucifer was perfect, was beautiful, was covering, had a high position in the heavenly realm, was there in God's throne, in God's presence, bringing worship to God and, and protecting the throne of God or, or, or covering the throne of God. God didn't need protection. It was just in terms of, of being there, filling that place with his glory, with, with music and beauty. Although he was all that, he had a will. And unfortunately, one iniquity was found in him. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you 
out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was filled up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before the kings that they might gaze at you. So here we've got the story of Lucifer. We're going back into eternity past before Adam was created. And so we have a being which is powerful, beautiful. He's a worshiper. He's the lead angel. Lead cherub. Cherub is a high-ranking angel, angelic being. And he's covering the throne of God. And he's got music. And he's got beauty. And, but what happened? You see, pride kept in. Crept in. His beauty. What it did. His perfection. He began to become full. Full of himself. Pride comes before the fall. You notice in Isaiah, the words that he said, I will, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. You see, the Bible says that God, he's the almighty God. He's the owner of heaven and earth. Possessor of heaven and earth. And Lucifer Looked at himself, all this beauty, all this power, all this authority, all this music, all this praise, all this joy. And he said, no, 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 no. He's not God. I'm God. I am God. And I'm going to just knock him out and I'm going to take over. I'm going to be established myself. Does that sound familiar? Because that spirit, that attitude remains on the earth today. That is how the devil distracts people and tries to get them away from God. And he comes to you and says, you, you are the owner of your life. Huh? You've got abilities, you've got power, you've got talent. Huh? You are the master of your life. You don't need people. You don't need others. You don't even need God. Wait, wait, where's God? Is there a God? Huh? So just, just, just work hard and, and you become the person you want to become. You will. And look around, guys, at some of the instructions given, some of the books out there, some of the philosophies coming out. You do you, man, because you can. Huh? You don't need anyone else. You are sufficient. It's all about I will. I will do this. I will do that. I will become this. I, there is no sense of worship to God. Remember, worship means to bow, to surrender. Who are you bowing to in your life? Are you bowing to the world's philosophies? Are you bowing to your own will? I will. Or are you bowing down to God? Bowing down to His will, to His principles, to His ways. I will, I will, said Lucifer. Pride. He wanted to be like God, possessor of heaven and earth. He fell. Jesus remembers that day. He told his disciples, I saw Satan falling like lightning. Now, God can only take so much. You know, and look, this didn't happen suddenly. I'm sure it was a process. You know, this thing building up, building up. Until one day, God said, that's it. Enough is enough. You want to be God? Thomas, take this. And he's gone. He quickly found out why God is called Almighty God. And so, since he can't get to God, he says, okay, plan B, let's get to his creation. And he does the same trick. He comes to Adam, to Eve. He says, come on, guys. You don't need God. You can do it. You, you take this tree and you'll be just like God. You will. Have wisdom and knowledge. And I said, what? I will. I will be like God. I will be like God. I will have. You see what's happening over here? Same trick. And throughout history, these two kings that are being addressed over here, the king of Babylon and the king of Tyre, the same thing. These guys thought they were it. Remember, they were king of the whole empire, the whole known world at that time. So they got very big heads. And so the prophets come. And they kind of blow their bubble. But at the same time, 
The prophet is revealing what's behind. What's the spirit behind that attitude in these kings? And it's revealing to us the spirit behind this attitude of pride which so often consumes human beings. And we have to be careful as Christians because as followers of Christ, we are not immune to his tricks. While you are in this flesh, while you are on this planet, we will be targets of this. If, God, if Satan can't get worship, he's going to hinder you from worshiping God. He wants to be worshipped. But if you don't worship him, at least don't worship God. Do something else. And he can distract you, even with good things. Let's go and save the whale, okay? Let's go and do whatever. And keep yourself busy doing all these good things. But you're not worshiping God. You're not acknowledging him. You're not bowing down to his will. You're not acknowledging him as the creator of heaven and earth, as God. You're not worshiping him. And so Satan continues to do this. He wanted to be worshipped. He still wants to be worshipped. Satan fell from heaven, but he did not lose his beauty. He did not lose his music. He did not forget his chords, man. He can still make good music. And he uses that. Often, the arts, entertainment world, to plant seeds of his deception to plant the seeds of his principles. Huh? Music can bypass your logic. It can get you a spirit. It can get you to agree with things, to say things that you don't really agree with in your mind, but through music and through the art, you get so caught up in the emotion of it that you slip and you begin to say things and do things which normally you would not agree with. So you have to be alert, guys. We have to be alert. That's why I say our whole life needs to be a life of worship. You need to be aware of what is going on around you and aware of what, what this is and who, who Satan is and what he's trying to do. Bible says he comes, this guy's an angel of light. He doesn't go around in a you know, red coat and horns. <laughs> no ways. That would frighten everybody. Oh, you're the devil. Go away. No. He comes smooth talking, smart looking, very clever, very good, you know, talented. So be careful. Girls, be careful. But guys, be careful too. Because sometimes, <laughs> come on, let's face it. What's the easiest way to get a man distracted? Beautiful woman. How'd you get a girl distracted? And some cool looking guy. And so the devil will try and steer you, connect you with someone from his side. That you can move away from the things of God. This is reality, guys. Look around. It's happening all the time. It's happening today. It's happening right now. So Satan was the master musician, but he fell. Now guess what? We are the master musicians. The Holy Spirit within us helps us to create music acceptable to the Father who will rejoice in us because of our worship. Now, praise and worship, that's our first ministry. That's our first ministry. So make it a part of your daily life. Don't wait until Sunday, okay? But when Sunday comes, let's get together and worship God together. So let's look at very quickly at some aspects of our corporate worship. What do we do when we get together at church with our the brothers and sisters, when we get together in a, in a home group, when you get together casually around and somebody's got a guitar or you just start singing spontaneously, maybe a home meeting, family meeting, you want to worship the Lord. What are the things that we can do? Well, we learned, as I said before, our lives are an act of worship through our work, our talents, our role we play, and so on. But there is a time when we get together to worship God. And there again, that's another lie of Satan. He tells Christians, you don't have to go to church. Just worship God where you are. Huh? Why must you go to church? A bunch of hypocrites anyway that go there. <laughs> and those pastors, man, they're just after your money. Ah, don't. What is he doing? He's stopping the will of God. Because it's God's will that we gather together and worship him. It's all over the Bible. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. <laughs> all right? Now, I know that sometimes we don't feel like coming to church. I'll get to that just now. But that is one of his lies. We are supposed to get together. 
And so one of the things we do when we gather together is to worship in, in singing, in song, just as it happens in heaven. So we're going to look at two psalms today. There are plenty, okay? And I didn't want to spend you going through 150 psalms. We don't have much time, okay? But we're going to look quickly at two psalms, and you're going to get some insights into corporate worship. Let's start with Psalm 149. Psalm 149, verse 1 to 9. It begins with the following. Praise the Lord. Now, you're going to see some little funny words over there. It says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with a dance. Let them sing praises to him with a tumbler and a harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples to bind, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. The honor, this honor, have all his saints. Praise the Lord. First of all, verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. Okay, yeah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a command. <laughs> praise the Lord. Okay? Oh, I don't feel like it. Praise the Lord. First of all, because he's worthy to be praised. I mean, we're talking about Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And so it comes across, first of all, it's an instruction, it's a command, and it's unconditional. Even when you don't feel like praising the Lord, you must praise the Lord. And when you don't feel like praising the Lord, what you do? You bring a sacrifice of praise. Okay? In Hebrews, we read that we must continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. You find that in Hebrews 13, 15. And Jeremiah, when he was writing, as he foretold what would happen uh, in the future and, and the restoration and the voices that would be heard, he said, you're going to hear the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts. But then he says, the voice of those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Let me confess something to you. As a holy pastor. No, just as a pastor. I don't always feel like I'm into church. And sometimes when I get to church, I don't feel like praise and worship. I guess the movement. I just want to say, oh, you know, let others sing. Why must I sing? Why must I go and play? I don't feel like playing. It's cold. My fingers are sweat. I don't know. Huh? I, look, I know it doesn't happen with you guys. I mean, you guys are on another level, okay? But, but me, you know, maybe it's the age. I don't know. There, there are times I just, I just don't want to do it. Huh? I've had a bad week, a tough week. I'm, I'm sore and I'm disappointed and I'm angry. and I'm <laughs> No, 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 no. So what do I do in those days? I do a sacrifice. Oh, Valdir, you're such a hypocrite. Am I? How many of you... Every single day between Monday and Friday, every single day, you wake up in the morning and you say, yay, time to go to school. Yay, time to go to work. Yay, time to go to university. Come on. So you're a bunch of hypocrites, right? Because you get out of bed and you do it anyway. You're not a hypocrite. You're doing the right thing. You're doing a sacrifice. Because there is a consequence to that sacrifice. That sacrifice is going to be good for you. It's going to help you. It's going to instruct you. It's, good. it's going to put food in your table. Amen? You're going to contribute to, to society, to your family, to the good of others. When you do the right thing, even if you don't feel like it, you're not being a hypocrite. You're doing the right thing. And so when you come to church and you start clapping and you start singing and you start smiling and you don't feel like doing it, you're not a hypocrite. You're doing the right thing. You're obeying what the word of God says. Praise the Lord. Now, here's the thing. When you read Psalms, you're going to find the word praise all over the place. Praise, 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 praise. But, but in Hebrew, in the language it was written, there are different Hebrew words for the word praise. And sometimes we lose the meaning in, in the translation. It kind of gets lost in translation. And so 
in that first verse, it says, praise the Lord. That word praise is the word halal. This word happens a lot in, uh, in, in the book of Psalms, okay? It's, it's all over the place, like 94 times in the book of the, uh, the, uh, Psalms. And, and it simply means to praise, to celebrate, to glory, to boast, okay? So when you praise God, you're actually boasting on God. We, we did it today. We spoke how great God is and, 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 and about his goodness and he's worthy. And you see, we are boasting on God. That's halal. That's praise. And, and another meaning of halal is to be clamorously foolish. In other words, you're, you're, you're not just talking, you're, you're expressing yourself. You're almost being foolish about how you're going on about God. He's so good. He's so great. And you know what? God is good, man. God is great. Oh, you're behaving like a fool, Valdir. Yes, but God is good and God is great. And he's, he's one of He loves you. Man, he loves you. And, and he created this whole thing. And You see, you're, you're, you're praising God. Remember again? Praise, worship. Praise you talk about. Worship you talk to. Huh? Okay? And so you're talking about God. You're praising God. You're being clamorously foolish. And he says in, in, in verse 1, um, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Now, that second word, praise, is the word tehillah. There it is. Okay? And his praise, tehillah, in the assembly. It's tehillah, not tequila. <laughs> I heard someone there. I heard someone. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and the word tehillah means to, to, to Lord. It's a song of praise about his praiseworthy deeds. So when, you, when, you, when you're doing tehillah, you're, you're specifically mentioning specific things that you're grateful to God for. You're praising him, you're boasting on God, and you're being specific. It's, it's a song of praise, it's a song. Allah can be sung and can be spoken. Tehillah is a song. You're singing about the goodness of God. And if you carry on on the psalm, Verse 3, it says, let them praise Halal, his name with a dance. You see, Halal involves the body movement. And it involves the dance. Yeah. It's not your, 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 your kind of you know, sensual club dance. No, no, no. It's a song we use your body to express joy to God. We can jump, you can shout, you can twirl, you know, and we've had, over the years in this church, we had all sorts of funny things about dancing. Sometimes you dance in French, yeah, sometimes you form a train and run around the church, but you're just expressing joy as you're praising God. At this stage in my life, I think the dance I do is like the Mandela Shuffle, you know, but I, I can still dance. I can still do something to God, and I can do Some of you guys can do a bit more. When you have these youth face, the kids go mad with it. They got all the agility. They jump around. That is dancing. That is halal with the dance. Praising God with the dance. Oh, but pastor, we must behave ourselves in church. The Bible says we must do everything decently and in order. And, and God says we must be silent. Silence. Well, you know what? To do things in order, God's order is not always the way we think. God's order sometimes is messy. Have you been to a forest lately? I mean, man's plantation, all the trees are in a row and they look nice, you know. You go into a forest, it's a mess. It's trees here and bushes there and things. You've got to cut your way through, but it's full of life. Full of life and animals and beasts and everything else. You go into a man's plantation, they're all in a straight road. They're decently in order, but there's no life there. Unless you put over there. But when God creates, it's decently, it's in order, but it's not always the way we think. And there is a time in worship where we do keep quiet. There are moments where we are just let to be quiet, silent. I remember times of when, when we, we, we've got together to praise. I remember at one, one particular service, we got to, 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 to worship. We were worshiping, and all of a sudden, we became quiet. But now here's the thing, that night... We had a whole bunch of babies in the house and little toddlers. And for about 10 minutes, we just sat down. Some people, some people kneeling down, some were lying down, some were just sitting. I couldn't play. I just got on the floor. And for about 10 minutes, dead silence. Here's the thing. Even those babies were silent. Not a toddler. Not a baby crying. No, it was just that presence of God just sat under that. Yes, there is a moment to be still and know that I am God. And so we do is we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And we do, we start by doing what the Word of God says and responding as the Word of God says. 
And so he says, let them praise halal, his name with the dance. Let them sing praises. That's the word zamar. And the, the word zamar means to touch the strings or part of a musical instrument. In other words, it's to make music accompanied by the word. That's why we use instruments in church. And we, and we don't differentiate between this is a holy instrument and this one is not. You know, every instrument is there to be used to praise God. An instrument is a neutral thing. You can use that to worship the devil or to worship God. Or just to mess around with it. <laughs> okay. All right. You give life to that thing. And as children of God, we take those instruments, we give them life, and bring worship to God. We zamar. We praise God with those instruments. Amen. So zamar, praise him with a timbrel and a harp. Again, you know, percussion and stringed instruments. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in the mouths. And that word praises is the word romema. Uh, and that's the only place in the, new, uh, in the Bible that that word it only appears once. And it means exaltation, highly exalting God. In other words, the words used in, in, in Psalms, they, they, they give different shades of meaning to the word praise. So it's not just praising. Praise can include music, dance, movement, high praises, you know, with, with loud voice, exalting the greatness of God. Another two words used in Psalms are the, is the, are the words yada, which means to extend a hand, especially in worship. Yeah, it's okay to, to raise your hands. I know some people have a problem when they come to church, they're going, oh, I'm going to raise hands. You know? yeah. but, but, but it's okay. And listen, we don't, we don't manipulate people here, okay? We don't want to force you to do anything. I'm teaching you the word so that you can be free to respond to the Holy Spirit as he leads you and to your own desire to worship God, okay? You can raise your hands. I don't care if you do it like this, we do it like that. Just, just, just raise your hands. And sometimes I just want to do like this. Other times I want to do like this. Other times I do like this and I don't want to raise my hands. I just worship God standing like that. That's okay. But know this, that you can. And it's, it's, it's part of worship is to lift your hands. And sometimes we will ask you, let's, let's raise our hands now. Or let's do this. There are times when the Spirit leads us to do something for a moment only. Let's all stand. Let's all clap. Let's, that's okay. But it's only for a moment. But during the time of worship, when we, whenever we do worshiping in church here, please feel free at any song at any time. You want to sit down, sit down. You want to kneel down. You want to come in front and dance, do that. You want to dance in your place, do that. You want to lift your hands, lift your hands. Just worship God. And then use those moments in between because at times there's just music. And we did it today twice in two different songs where there's just music going. And use that time to worship God in your own words. Don't be stuck to the screen all the time. When you're singing the words of the screen, make it your own words. But when there's no words, but the music is playing, use your own words. If you've got freedom to speak in tongues, sing in tongues. And if, even if you don't speak in tongues, during worship is a good time to start. They say, Holy Spirit, help me. I, 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 I want to worship you, but I've run out of words. You know, my English, my Afrikaans, my Zulu, my Corsa, my Portuguese, my Spanish, ah, my French. I, I don't have any more words. Help, but I want to praise you. Because that's where, where tongues come in. Tongues allow you to speak from your spirit. The words which your brain and your tongue cannot put together. The spirit can make that intercession for you. Can, can worship through you. And so allow, use those moments to allow that to, to happen. Amen. The other word is toda which means thanksgiving, sacrifice of praise, thanks. Sometimes translated as thanks or thanksgiving. Two of the songs today were Toda songs. They were songs of thanksgiving. They were also worship because we were talking to God. They were also praise because we talk about God. So you see, in one song, you can have all these elements coming together. But the fact is, it's clear that the Lord wants us to worship him expressively. The Lord wants from us expressive worship when you come together don't just come together and watch the band no let's all come together and worship the lord amen and the last psalm the last psalm of, of, of the book of psalms i mean that's an invitation to joyous loud and expressive celebrate Let, let's have a look quickly psalm 150 again it begins with that instruction praise the lord 
not only saying, praise the Lord, but he's saying, hey, everybody, praise the Lord. And everybody said, yes, amen. I don't feel like it, but amen, or yes, amen, I want to do it, (laughs) okay? Whether you feel like it or not, amen, let's praise the Lord. Now, check this out. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Okay? So, praise him everywhere. Whether you are in the sanctuary, in a a sanctuary like this, in a building, together with other believers, or even out there in his mighty firmament, in the open air, or walking, or jogging, or with a smoke, wherever you are, praise the Lord. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. And by the way, this whole psalm, every time we see praise, is the word halal, okay? Which includes that it expresses of the, the clamorously foolish. It's it just praise in all its forms. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So you see, when you're praising God, when you're worshiping, you don't sing empty words. You think about it, all right? I don't just sing the words because they're on the board. I look at those words and say, hey, I agree with that. that that's true in my life. And then I sing it. And I sing it unto the Lord. What I sing about the Lord. Amen? So do that. And as you're singing, if you think of other things, you include that in your singing and praise as well. Use your own words. Amen? Praise Him. Ah, here we go now. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Hey, praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. You see, all the instruments are here. Again, all the sections of an orchestra or of a band are here. Guitars, drums, percussion, piano, everything. Bass, rhythm. Okay? Praise him with instruments. It's loud. It's noisy. But guess what? It can get pretty noisy in heaven. And who are you going to complain to when you get there? Where are you going to hide? So what am I saying? Maybe we should start changing our thinking and lining it up with the word of God and with what it says and start getting used to praises which is joyful and loud and noisy and times of praise and worship which is quiet or even silent and you're just aware of his presence. You see, guys, there's a thing. There is no formula. Nothing that says we have to do it. No. The spirit leads. Huh? The spirit leads. It says there in the end, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you are breathing, say amen. Amen. Okay, some of you are. Thank you. What about you guys watching? Are you still breathing? Those of you listening, breathe deeply. If you are breathing... You must praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Of course, there is so much more to be said about worship, and we will return to this topic from time to time. But let's take what we have learned here in this session. Let's take what, what you already know from past experiences and past teachings, and what you're going to continue learning as you read the Word of God, as you listen to, uh, to messages. Let's take all this and, 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 and apply it to our times of worship. Become aware of those moments. When the Spirit invites you to express worship in your own words, even in your own song, spontaneous sing, singing. There are times for a new song, right child, during worship. Now listen, we're of course in here. Worship, of course, can be emotional. It can cause emotion, can cause joy, can cause tears, can cause a lot of things. Sometimes you sense the power of God, the presence of God. But listen, don't Chase emotions. Okay? Your level of emotion does not define the quality of worship. You are called to worship, to praise and worship. What we do is we bow down to God. We obey. We come. We sing. We lift our hands. We praise. We sing spontaneously. That's our part. Now, you may or you may not have the emotions. God may or may not do something specific and special in your life that does not change the fact that you've worshipped God. 
And I want you to be careful about this because there are some people, they reckon if I, if I didn't get the touch of God, if I didn't shake, if I didn't scream, if I didn't, uh, it wasn't a good service, the Holy Spirit wasn't, and the Holy Spirit is here all the time. Huh? We walk by faith, not by sight, not by emotions. Are you all right? Okay. Hmm. You don't measure worship by how much you cried or how many goosebumps you felt or how many people screamed or how many people fell on the floor. Listen, the focus of worship is God. Understand that? The focus of worship is God, not what is happening to people around you or even to you physically. You worship God. That's what it's all about. And by the way, since we're talking about this, it is important to understand the relationship between prayer, praise, and worship. Because those three are also often very much intertwined. They go together. Now listen carefully. Prayer. When we are involved with prayer, and prayer can happen during worship. And listen, by the way, while you're singing a song, you know, you, 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 you can, you, and you can, and you should. If you, if you lay that way, start praying. You, you read something and says, God, I need more of that in my life. I'm singing about joy, but Lord, I, I, I don't have enough joy. I need more joy in my life. Or God, you're talking about you're the healer, but I'm still sick, God. I need a breakthrough in my life. Pray as, you, as you're worshiping. Pray as you're singing. Pray as you're praising. Because pray, prayer, praise, and worship go together. But check this out. Prayer, when we are busy with prayer, we are occupied with our needs. When I'm praying, I say, God, bless me or bless him or you know that or bring the healing or bring deliverance or bring change. We are talking about needs or occupied with our needs. When we praise, we are occupied with our blessings. Thank you, God, for that healing. Lord, thank you for saving that person. And Lord, thank you for coming through here. We are, we are, we are praising God for what he did. We are occupied with his blessings. And it's, it's fine. And we need to. We need to pray. And we need to pray. But worship, when we worship, we are occupied with our God. That's it. I'm not worried about my needs. I'm not worried about my blessings that I got. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on God. You are God. You are my God. It's just me and you, Lord. And I love you. I want to be in your presence, Lord. I want, just, I want you to know that I worship you. And it's me and him. Hmm? All right? In your marriage, you do that, don't you? There are times in your marriage where you sit with your wife and you talk about your children and you talk about your house and you talk about the things you've got to do, you know? And then you get together and you maybe have a special meal and you thank God for another anniversary or for a blessing for a new car or whatever it is, you know? So you're either busy with needs or blessings. But then there comes a time where it's just you and your wife. You close the door of the bedroom. You switch off the telephone. Huh? And it's you and her. She and you. You're busy with each other. You're focused on each other. You don't care anymore about blessings or about needs. You've, been, you've dealt with that. Now it's time for intimacy. Okay? And there is that kind of, that is the kind of intimacy we are talking about when it comes to worship. Me and God. And you know what? God has created us for that kind of intimacy. God is not a distant God. That's why Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Relationship with God. Amen? So you know that we worship, all these three things can happen. In different parts of the song, we can be doing all of them and all different parts of them. So, be aware. Get engaged in prayer, praise, and worship every time we get together for worship. But also be aware. During your own private devotion, these things happen as well. Okay, while you're driving or at home, you know, in a time of, of your quiet time, and which sometimes is not so quiet, it, it's okay. You know, wherever you are connecting with God, remember these things and, and bring them about. Amen? So, in closing, just remember this. God delights in our praise and worship. And therefore, we should express it joyfully. Sing, rejoice, dance, and use musical instruments in worship. God rejoices over us. So, we should praise him wholeheartedly. Amen? Let's abandon our prejudices and please God through our joyful worship. Just one thing I want to close with. Some of us are more introverted than others. 
There are some people that find it easier to sing alone and lift your hand. Other people, I don't know if I want to We're more taken in. But that's no excuse not to express. And then what we often say is, this, ah, man, I, don't, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like swinging my body. I don't feel like joining hands. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. Understand this, guys. And I want you to get this into your heart and your mind. Action precedes emotion. Action precedes emotion. In other words, emotion or action doesn't follow emotion. Emotion follows action. If you're going to sit there and wait until you have the emotion to praise God, it's going to be a long time, baby. It might not happen at all. But if you start praising God, if you, if you start the motion, you start clapping, you start lazy, I don't feel, I'm going to do it anyway, I'm going to clap, I don't feel like clapping, but I'm going to clap. All of a sudden, you're going to find, oh, hang on, this is, this is nice. I feel like smiling now. Oh, this is good. You see, your emotions will follow your actions. Huh? And this applies. That's why, that, that's a sacrifice. Oh, don't know, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to, okay, yeah, yeah. You do the sacrifice of praise. You do the action. The emotions will follow. Because God honors that. And because you are being obedient to the word of God. And obedience brings the result. We don't feel you don't wait until you feel like obeying God to obey God. Amen? You obey God. And then you'll experience the joy of obeying God. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's abandon our prejudices and, and please God through our joyful worship. Amen? I trust this has been an encouragement and a blessing to you that you've picked up some things, maybe revised some things which are maybe kind of getting rusty. And... Uh, I, I, I really encourage you to, as we come together, to continue just coming to God's presence. Come prepared. Get involved. Let's rejoice in God just like he rejoices in us. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we praise you. We glorify you and we acknowledge once again that you are. You are worthy. You are worthy, worthy of our praise, worthy of our thanksgiving, worthy of our adoration, worthy of our worship, worthy of our hand clapping and lifting hands, worthy of our dance, worthy of our, our instruments playing to you, making music to you, Lord God. There is no better reason to make music than to make music in worship towards God, Lord. There is no better way to use our voices than to use our voices in worshiping God. There is no better way to use our bodies, Lord, than using our bodies to, to worship you through the dance, through the clapping, through the raising of our hands, through the lifting of our voices. And so, Father, I pray that there will be such a freedom coming over your people, Lord God. Whether you are worshiping God here in a building together, whether we are at home watching online, whether we are in a small group, group gathering, whether you are alone in our bedrooms or we're just driving our cars and, and worshiping you, Lord, cause us and help us, Lord, to be obedient to you, to take those actions, Lord. To understand that praise is powerful. Praise and worship is a weapon of destruction towards the enemy. Every time we worship you, Lord God, we resist the powers of darkness. Hallelujah. And so we thank you for your goodness. And I pray, Father, that your people will be free, as we sang this morning. Free, Lord God, to dance and to worship you and to praise you. And to live lives which bring glory to your name. Thank you, my God, for this time together. And now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us. Until we see you face to face, Lord. Until we get there in that heavenly choir and, and worship you in your presence, in your physical presence, Lord God. Until then, we'll allow your Holy Spirit to lead us as we worship you, Lord God, expressively here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Worshippers, have a wonderful day, a blessed week. See you next week again. God bless you. Amen.